You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of 21 Questions. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of 21 Questions, the question and answer show brought to you by the good people of the KCSN Discord who love to ask us questions. My name is Craig Stout. I am with here. I am here with my good pal, his darkness. I, I, I am very appreciative that I am the one to basically pop your 21 questions cherry for both of you and Ryan. I appreciate Ooh. that I'm the first one that got to do both of you guys for this show. Dirk, that's, that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure, Greg. I don't know. Are you sure you can handle all that? I don't know that. I'll- but I've always never been able one. to handle you nor Ryan. Why would it be any different? Now? I will. I will always remember this one. So, you know, make a special. Oh, well, man. Uh, okay. Well, I already screwed something up, and I can't wait to uh, get into the DraftKings read later. Stay tuned. About thirty minute mark, everybody. It's going to be a good <laughs> one. But uh, yeah, no, lots of good questions this week from the KCSN Discord. That comes if you're part of the subscriber base for the KCSN Daily Substack. That is part of your $30 a year. You get access to the KCSN Discord. You can ask us questions, and we might read them on this show. So we're just going to dive right in, Dirk. This first one from Andrew Schnitaker. Would I be correct in saying that Rasheed Rice is already a good bit ahead of where Sky Moore was this time last year. What do you think, Dirk? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Rasheed Rice has pretty much already produced more in two of these three games than Sky Moore did in basically any game last year. Uh, I don't have the stats in front of me for that, but uh, I mean, just him getting on the field uh, with what really is more of a crowded wide receiver room than it was last year uh, has to speak kindly to what Rasheed Rice is doing. I, I'm not sure what was holding Sky Moore back last year. Um, his production is sure being held back a little bit this year, even though he's getting the playing time. Um, so I'm not sure what's going on with Sky Moore. I keep waiting for his breakout game to come, which I keep thinking it's going to come next week. Uh, but Rasheed Rice, uh, Rasheed Rice, uh, <laughs> is, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm very impressed by him, despite, you know, having, Seemingly that one drop a game that he can't see yeah. shake right now. Um, but just him getting on the field uh, as a rookie and then Andy Reid offense, which doesn't seem to happen that often, has to be promising for him. Yeah, Rasheed Rice is currently on pace to have 612 yards receiving. Like, that'll do as a rookie wide receiver for Andy Reid. Like that, especially since he's getting ramped up a little bit more and more. I do wonder if Basically, what we're getting week in and week out for the last two weeks here out of Sky Moore is going to be what he's going to be. You know, maybe it's 45 to 60 yards a game. I mean, I'm more than happy with that out of a second round draft pick there. I just think that we all had maybe some super high hopes that he was going to step in and fill that juju role by himself. I think it's kind of a combination of Sky Moore and Rasheed Rice to step in and fill that role. Doesn't it seem like he's like always open? Like whenever he catches the ball, it's like Sky Moore just seems open. He, he's beating guys off the line. I can see yeah. that. He caught a yeah. back shoulder touchdown. Um, there's just these promising signs. I don't get why there's not more production unless you're just telling me it's it's coming real soon. 
Right. And, may, and maybe that's the case. Maybe this is one of those Andy Reid, we're just going to run a couple things here and there. But he's been open. Like we see in the All-22. Like he's open. And for whatever reason, Mahomes doesn't throw him the ball. Week one was was just a rough game all around. But I don't know. We'll, we'll see here. But yes, definitely a good start for Rasheed Rice. Julian K asks the question, how would you rate Taylor Swift's let's fucking go in the booth on the cheeseburger scale? Now, darkness, are you aware of the cheeseburger scale? <laughs> Do I have to explain this? Or can we let... Okay. Okay. Cheeseburger going to be scale. well done? Am I going to get it well done on well done cheeseburger? Because I was well No, done. no, no, no. We, we did this thing that everybody in the podcast universe uh, hated over the offseason where we talked about different teams and uh, the different groups of the Kansas City Chiefs and we rated them it's basically a one to four scale with the top being Andy Reid's favorite town topic you know he said that that was his favorite we had Westport Fleet Market as the number two I genuinely don't remember what the what the third one is I was excited I was excited I know I I don't because I had to block this out of my brain and I think like McDonald's or something like that I think Wendy's would be a good third would be good what's something like that what's yeah yeah uh, it was McDonald's. McDonald's was 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 the was the bottom there. So are they are they a sponsor of us? Is McDonald's a sponsor? Or? No, no, nobody's a sponsor. That's why that's why uh, we felt comfortable making that. <laughs> but how would you rate it? Would you say that it's near the top? I I felt like it was a pretty good one to be honest. Uh, the the let's fucking go. She nailed. Yeah. Uh, the clapping was kind of yeah kind of uh, <laughs> robotic. Um, so I think the clapping was definitely bottom tier. The let's fucking go, I will put on a top tier. Um, and also, I mean, I don't, how PG is she? Does she, does she seen dropping the F-bombs? Is that going to, I thought that might be a thing. Uh, I have done a few Swifties tweets at this point, so I'm I'm delving into the to the Swifties mention on Twitter. Um, but I didn't see much backlash. Is, is, is that something that she shouldn't be saying? No, no, she's okay. She's okay with all of that. Very, very publicly has really? uh, thrown that out there. So not not a big deal for her. I do appreciate here that, and I know that people just love the Taylor Swift content. They don't. Um, but I, I do really appreciate that, that that fan base of hers has fully thrown themselves into trying to learn football in the span of like 24 hours. Like they watched one game, which was the one of the bigger beatdowns of the last couple of years, trumped by you know another beatdown that happened this weekend, and they watched that and went, "Oh, this is fun. This is probably what it always is," and has tried to learn everything about football as possible. So, um, just saying, Andy, you've got big shoes to fill. We 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 better get that kind of performance every week for the Swifties here. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> all right. Nuja asks the question, how much did the Chiefs miss Nick Bolton this week, Dirkness? Yeah, I mean, they they would have beaten the Bears by more if he would have played, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll put this on the bottom of the cheeseburger scale. Uh, I think Nick yeah. Bolton does a lot of great things, um, but honestly, with his backup being Drew, Cran- Drew Tranquil, uh, probably the best, maybe the best backup on our entire team. Um Man. Just we need to get that guy on the field anytime we can. I was kind of excited to see Nick Bolton be hurt for a week and like, okay, let's see what the defense looks like uh, with Tranquil here. I mean, we're going to have to make a choice on Nick Bolton here, whether to pay him or not, uh, sooner rather than later. 
Uh, but I mean, I, I don't think we missed it. I think there's slightly different styles. I mean, Bolton's more of a downhill linebacker, attack the line kind of thing. Trenkel's more better in coverage. Um, but I don't think we missed him at all this week. Maybe if we pay, play a more run-heavy team in the future, we might miss him more? Uh, maybe maybe if we played not the Bears. I, I, I don't know that it specifically even needs to be a run-heavy team. Um, and maybe the run defense improved. Uh, you know, if Nick Bolton's out there and the pass defense suffered a little bit, but Justin Fields couldn't hit anybody anyway, so I don't know that it would have mattered. This was one of those when he popped up on the injury report early in the week, like very, very early in the week, I just said, hey, let's give him the week off. Like, <laughs> seriously, let's just give him the week off. They got tranquil. Everything's okay. Just just let it ride there. I think that's going to be very valuable moving forward. Having two guys that can confidently call the defense and that everybody trusts to be that voice in the huddle that's very 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 nice um if anything the maybe the three three was better because jack Cochrane wouldn't have been out there and it would have been nick bolton's day. i saw i actually had to look up the uh, chief's roster and figure out who 43 was I was like omar easy is on the field on defense or something there uh and albert wilson returning punts i mean what? lots of jersey searching this week <laughs> <laughs> um, is there a way for both of them to share the field? Is there a rotation that they can figure yes. out and they both play at the same time? What are they going to do with this both? Because I love both these players and I want them both on the field. Is, is there a way both, both of them can get out there? They uh, they have both been playing in that three three five nickel with uh, Leo Chanel as well. So I, I know that Chiefs are big fans of that one. And then Drew Tranquil's been subbing in for Willie Gay Jr. a little bit in the four two five nickel as well. So they found some avenues to getting Nick Bolton, Andrew Tranquil on the field together. I'll be very curious to see what that rotation looks like in about week 10, week 11, because that's about when Spag starts. He, he kind of stops fiddling with the personnel a little bit more and just starts locking into some guys again. This is certainly way beyond what he's ever fiddled with, you know, in the first three weeks. But you called out Darius Harrius. You calling him out? I'm calling out Darius Harrius. Yeah, for certain. But we'll see. Well, we will see. I like that they're rotating all those guys because weeks like this, it's just like, oh, hey, Tranquil's good. Like, let's lean on him. I, nice. I think those are our two best linebackers. So if, oh, yeah. if we could find a way to get both of them on the field, then. And the funny part is, is that Leo Chanel's had a fantastic season, too. Like, I got zero problems with Leo or Willie being on the field, but Drew and Nick, the way that they see the game is just different. I'm just waiting for them to drop Chanel down. Chanel? 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 Whatever. Yeah. Drop Chanel down to uh, edge rusher. Get, I mean, a, get him some pass rush reps. He, uh, listen, this week, he he rushed the passer quite a bit. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's coming. I think it's coming a little bit. All right. What's up, Doc? Asks, if Kadarius Tony continues his battle with injuries throughout the first part of the season. Yes. Do yes. He continues battle with injuries. <laughs> Do we see the Chiefs make a move at the deadline for a wide receiver? And who? The who part's the tough part there. But who do you think? Our researcher. Yeah. Do Do you think that they would at least make a move or at least consider that? I I know it's going to depend on the young wide receiver stepping up. If they continue to perform, you know, at a higher level, I think they'll feel good. But what do you think? What What are your thoughts on Kadarius Tony in the injury situation? Uh, no. I mean, I don't. I don't think they have to make a move. I mean, the the problem is I kind of think the Chiefs have like six guys that are like wide receiver threes, really. Um, So you're most likely trading for another guy that's going to be in that same level as them. Unless you're getting like a true stud of a receiver, which I mean, what are we looking at? Like Mike Evans, but the Bucs are 2-0. 
I was gonna say, yeah, he he's hard to pry off of that team right now because they're good. Yeah. So I mean, I I don't know. You you'd have to get someone who's really gonna move the needle, and then you got to worry about money, which they're tight on. Um. So I I don't see them moving for anybody unless it really becomes an issue. Uh, Tony is just kind of a you know extra piece that you can do fun stuff with. Um. So you you want to have him healthy? I don't know. Is is there someone else that can do the things? He, I I feel like. Richie James can almost do some stuff, and Sky Moore can kind of do some of that same stuff, but they're not they're not as electric as uh, Rigatoni is. Um, so I don't, are you really going to find a guy that fits that skill set? You can trade for McColl. How about bringing McColl back? <laughs> that, the Jets aren't using him. That, that Jets aren't... <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could. I feel like I'd throw Rasheed Rice, his name, into the mix there as a guy that can do some of those things certainly not as dynamic or agile as Kadarius Tony is, but has some of that explosion to uh, create some extra yardage. I, I think if the Chiefs are trading for somebody, it's not specifically because Kadarius Tony is injured. I think at this point, with him missing the entire training camp and him basically missing large portions of the season so far due to injuries, not really playing a ton of snaps, I think it would be because they want somebody else because they're looking at MVS and Justin Watson and going, these guys are our two wide receivers. Ones we'd like to improve the floor just a little bit more. I don't know who that would be. I mean, T Higgins is the one that everybody's going to say that's a natural thing, but the bagels are not trading him to the Kansas city chiefs this season. Doesn't matter how terrible they are. They're not trading him to the Kansas city chiefs this season. Uh, and again, yeah, Mike Evans, another guy that makes a, a lot of, since on the surface, but I don't think that the Bucks are going to be offloading him. I think the only other guy that I would even throw even potentially out there would be Calvin Ridley, and I think the Jaguars would have to just kind of continually fall apart in the offense, and I still don't know that I don't, will be the case. There, I don't think any AFC contender is is helping they the shouldn't. whatsoever. They shouldn't. Um, yeah. So you're looking at NFC, I think, most likely. How about, an, how about LaVisca Chenault? He kind of fits that gadget I love right? LaVisca Chenault. That would be he a fun one. He kind of disappeared. I think he's on Carolina now, and he was kind of showing up, uh -huh. up in week one. Uh, but they might kind of fall apart, and he might be like a piece that would come available if he was looking for like a one-for-one -one for Tony. Right. Yeah, I could see them adding LaVisca Chenault to the deadline and just saying, hey, that's a future move, too. Like, I don't know that he's like a super needle mover other than, you know, a couple manufactured touches a game. But, hey, that's kind of what Kadarius Tony is right now. So to your to your point there, pretty like for like. We will be back after we take a quick break here to hear from some of our sponsors with more of your questions on 21 Questions. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. With the busy fall season already in swing, you might be looking for some wholesome, convenient meals for these jam-packed days. And Factor America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit can help you fuel up fast with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. Need an extra boost to support your wellness goals and feel your best as you tackle a busy autumn? Try Protein Plus Meals with 30 grams of protein or more per serving. Round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of 45-plus add-ons, including breakfast items like our delicious apple cinnamon pancakes, bacon and cheddar egg bites, and potato bacon egg breakfast skillet. 
Or for an easy wellness boost, try refreshing beverage options like cold-pressed juices, shakes, and smoothies. Head to factormeals.com slash KCSN50 and use code KCSN50 to get 50% off. That's code KCSN50 at factormeals.com slash KCSN50 to get 50% off. It's more fun to be there for live Kansas City Chiefs football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the Kansas City Chiefs and the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to wrap your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash Chiefs. Fellas, are you running into some stubble trouble? Are you dreaming of that clean-shaven look but hate going through the hassle of a wet shave every other day? Well, I know you are, and that's why we've partnered with Manscaped. The brand for Below the Waist is coming to save that beautiful face. Yes, sir, Manscaped now has beard products and is going a step further with the launch of their brand-new Andyman Electric Face Shaver. It's designed to give your face that smooth and chiseled finish without the mess of a traditional shave. Make sure to join the 9 million men worldwide who have trusted Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Head over to manscaped.com and use code KCSN for 20% off and free shipping. Your face is the first thing people see when you walk through a door. Give them something to look at with Manscaped's handyman. The Beard Hedger is a high-tech piece of art in a travel-sized package with long-lasting battery universal charging, and a strong motor. Trust me, gentlemen, you cannot go wrong with any of their options. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code KCSN at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code KCSN. Hit the refresh button with the handyman. We are back on 21 questions here. That was quick. That was quick. Quick break, I know. Is he behind the scenes? Everybody's just like, wow, man. Heard from all these wonderful sponsors. We we're just flowing right through this thing, man. Craig, Craig, you're a professional. I I ain't used to this shit. We're where's I know man. like you're you're used to tailgating with me and seeing me in all sorts of uh all sorts of fun positions here. So yeah. I I'm just saying, there was a time when I did pregame radio, and I went to a game with one His Darkness, and that pregame radio segment was about the least quality pregame radio segment that it could have been, because uh, I yeah, that. it was a good tailgate. I a really good tailgate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Put me on! Put me on! <laughs> Chief Golden, Colorado. If the Chiefs move on from Justin Reed after the season, do they need to replace him with another free agency vet, or do they draft one early and try and move Brian Cook into the role of that kind of secondary captain? If Justin Reed takes Dirk, uh, who else we got at safety right now? We got Brian Cook, and then we got um, Mike Edwards, Edwards would be the deal. other guy. Again, one year deal, not not somebody who's probably it, it, they'd have to re up. Well, and then the other we got the uh, Chimichurri, right? He's still he's a, yeah, he's a safety. Yeah, Shamari, Shamari Connor. Yeah, yeah, is still in there. And um, they also Dion Bush kind of floating yeah. around this team a little bit here, and Naze Johnson, who you know was out this year, but would certainly be back next year. Well, I think it seemed like they liked him in a training camp. They're yeah. kind of running in with the ones quite a bit. Um, if we lose Justin. 
I mean, not necessarily. I think it's just market dependent. I don't think you have to go out there and specifically get a safety. Um, I like Brian Cook a lot. Um, do you think this is more of like a play question or like a leadership question? Do you think they want to play some as like they see him as the leader on the defense? I think it's a leadership question more than a play question for certain here. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I like Bolton as a leader. I think, well, I like Chris Jones stepping up as a leader, but I don't know. Remains to be seen what happens there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I do like having like a captain of the secondary like that in the safety position. Um, so I'm always down for that. Um, I really have not thought about that too much. Uh, so not too much on my radar, but sure. Yeah, do it. Go and do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that they've got some guys that could fill in that spot. Like if they decide to re-up Legereus Sneed, I think he makes a lot of sense as a veteran guy in this room. Uh, Trip McDuffie's also stepping up into that role in a big way too. And yeah, Brian Cook, I, I, I would not mind if they decided, hey, we don't need that veteran presence on the back end because we've got so many other guys that have been here for long enough. They know Dave Merritt. They know Steve Spagnuolo. I think they'd be fine with that. I also am not looking to get out of Justin Reed the, this offseason yet. I, I, I want to see the rest of the season. want to see this defense grow into itself a little bit more too. I, he has some bad moments, but he also has some really good moments. When you watch the All-22, it's hard to judge a safety off a broadcast, but when you watch the All-22, does a good job staying on top of things, passing things off well. Some of the stuff on the back end that uh, isn't readily apparent He's doing a pretty good job of that, but certainly when he's been targeted, he hasn't been the most efficient guy on the field. So it remains to be seen. I'd be fine either way with him. I, I, I feel like Tyron Matthew was really good at like just getting the defense lined up and everyone into position. Yeah. Um, is is that something you feel like Justin Reed does? Because I remember it was it was a struggle. So. Would that have been early last year? And we just had guys mm -hmm. kind of out of position all the time. And I feel like it was a direct uh, result of losing Honey Badger. Um, has Reed stepped up on that area and really and and gotten that role and, and just put people in the right places? Because I haven't noticed it being yeah. a problem at all. Yeah, no, I, I think it's much better this year. I know that the Chiefs last year decided we're just going to dumb our coverages way down. Like we're not going to run very much at a certain point. I think that's very much a reflection of the young guys that they had out there. Not that they're not capable of taking on better, you know, bigger roles within the defense and stuff like that. But Spags at a certain point last year just said, you know what? Nope, we're not doing that until the very end of the year. This year, there's a lot more on these guys' plates. And so you're seeing a lot more instruction from guys like Justin Reed, Brian Cook, uh, even Trent McDuffie, Legereus, everybody's contributing a little bit more. But yeah, it's definitely happening with Justin Reed, for sure. So, yeah. All right. Casey from KC asked this question. Don't you think the Chiefs should be screaming at hell, the officiating committee and everyone else in protest of the clear singling out of Jawan Taylor and how that puts Mahomes at greater injury risk, referring to the fact that he got hurt on the play after that? Um Direct result. Direct, Direct result of, of wiping MVS's touchdown off the board there. What do you, what's your take on Jawan Taylor? Obviously, at the time that we're recording this, we got a little more information. Andy Reid playing the game a little bit. Uh, decided to put in the backup tackles, Prince Tiguanogo, and put Donovan Smith out there and aligned them deeper on purpose to see if the refs would call things, and they didn't. Came Andy out said this? 
And this was uh, this was sourced, yes, by uh, our one Charles Goldman. Um, so, yeah, uh, giving themselves some ammunition to take back to the referees. Don't you love it? Don't you love that? They're giving some information to take back to the referees and say, hey, you are clearly singling this man out. What, is, we get your live reaction on this because you're just finding out about this. What, how do you feel? What, what's your What's your reaction? Well, it's it's weird to hear Andy speak out against it so much because he's just usually just keeps all of that in house. Yes. I mean, he might be complaining to the NFL um, behind closed doors kind of thing, but for him to come out in press conferences and say it, you just rarely see that from Andy Reid. Um, so it's definitely on his radar. I did see a stat that's like there's been three illegal formation penalties called the last two weeks since they decided to emphasize it, and they've all three been on Jawan Taylor. Um, so that's some pretty clear evidence. I mean, the evidence is pretty overwhelming that they are targeting him for this penalty. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't know what to say other than, I mean, everyone else produces the story. Chris Collinsworth came and and said all this on national TV and it put it on everyone's radar. Now they're calling it on him and nobody else. I mean, it's not, it's pretty clear cut. Um, so I, that's, I can't believe Andy would do that. I, I had no idea why he took him out. And then he was like, he had a cut on his chin or something. It was like, that's kind of yeah, cut on cut on his lip. Yeah, yeah. So I don't he put it back in. He put it back in. Trotted him back out there. But I, it makes some sense now that we we have gotten some more information that it was hey a line deeper and let's see if these guys call it so that he can then turn around when he's on a conference call with the referees this week and just say hey look look around the league man like everybody's doing this and. In this specific game, you were calling it one way. You were calling it against this guy and that second one with MBS. He was not. That was not illegal, but, you know, whatever. But they call all of this, so he purposefully trots out two new guys, aligns them improperly to try and get a flag, and no flag comes. Like, there has to be some accountability here. I hope that it's not in the other direction where now all of a sudden it's just going to get called way too much because that's no fun for anybody around the whole but league. Like they go around the whole league. league. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't want that, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it's silly. lighting up like, any differently on the calls or he's, or the plays where he's getting called and the plays where he's not. I mean, that's kind of my biggest question. Is he, that, oh, is he a little bit further not, back? No, he's not. The the thing, and Maddie actually was the one that kind of noticed this a little bit over the weekend during the game. It seems like it's being called more often when there's like a bunch formation to his side of the line. And so you've got the ref, you know, like peeking his head around all of the wide receivers when he's supposed to be just like looking down the line. And instead he's peeking his head around the wide receivers and giving himself a weird angle and he's calling them then. So I... I don't know if there's something to that specifically, but you you don't need to be doing that for one single player here. You know, if you're doing it, do it, you know, game wide. Don't just single out one single guy here. I, it's ridiculous, and I hope if, the Chiefs get it. If anything, I thought his false starts were more egregious than the illegal formation. I, like he doesn't seem that right. far back. That just seems totally normal. The false starts thing, especially in week one, where it was just like. I mean, I get if, if you're going in slow-mo and doing this, but it just looks different than everybody else does, and I feel like that's called false start quite a bit. Those seem more egregious than the lining up too far back in the backfield. I don't even know I when mean, I get That's At this point, for like the last five, six years, everybody's lining up like the Mighty Ducks flying V anyway. So I, I don't understand why it's become such a singled-out thing. 
why Chris Collinsworth decided on week one Thursday night football. We're going to highlight this repeatedly over and over and over again. And now we're seeing a direct correlation. Chris Collinsworth in Newark. I know. I keep saying it, but he is. All right. We got Lee87 here asking the question. Says, hey guys, can you give me your thoughts on Trent McDuffie? And has he hit a blue chip level like Chris Jones yet or not? What do you think? Dog. 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 <laughs> I mean, McDuffie is, by all accounts, looks like a fantastic player. Um, I don't, I don't think it's been recognized yet by like national media and stuff. I'm sure like the uh, film nerds are starting to see it, but I keep going back to last year when he missed the opening part of the season or opening half, however many games it was last season, and then still came in and played good. When Almost always when you see rookies miss part of the season like that, it's just kind of a lost season. They just get behind and then they can't catch up. But for him to miss that part of the season, come in and still play well in his rookie season, the writing was on the wall like, this guy's going to be, he's going to break out in year two. And I think he has, it's, he's he's doing a Sean Smith out there where you just don't see him the entire game. And it's just, that's that's which is a great thing for a cornerback. You just don't yeah. see him. They're not throwing at him. And and when you do see him, it's because he's forcing a fumble like he did this week. So, I mean, Trent McDuffie, I, I, I couldn't have asked for more from Trent McDuffie. He's been fantastic. It's it's one of those that the, the worries that the NFL may have had about his size and arm length, which I do this CBAT stuff every single offseason, he is an anomaly. He really is. But he was that good of a player. Like, I mean, we, we loved him as a player because of all the things that you're seeing on the field right now, the way that he is able to play the receiver, look at him against Jacksonville and defending the the back stripe there. I mean, that's, that's what you got to do when you're giving up size there. And then this week, the bears trying to run the ball and he is making tackles in the a gap as a slot corner, like just inserting himself into the plate. Everybody is going to love this man the more and more they see him. I, I feel like Chief fans are really starting to get on board with what he's bringing to the table because he's having these moments where he's defending really well when he is targeted. You know, They're throwing at him in the flat. He's making plays. He's making plays against the run. The more and more this grows, the more and more I think the legend will build with him, and then it's going to start hitting the national media a little bit more and a little bit more. But he's been phenomenal. PFF, I believe, has him ranked as their number one corner in the league right now. Like that's that that's how good he's playing. He's almost reaching a point where you don't want him to get in there and do the run support out of fear of him getting yeah. injured. Don't get don't get hurt. Valuable. Yeah. Like no, 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 just just allow them to get seven yards. We can't have you missing time. I would much rather you be ready to cover Justin Jefferson than inserting yourself into the run fit, buddy. That, that's not how he plays, though. It's just not how he plays. All right, Steve Gray, the, I, I love this question here, asks, what's your all-time favorite AHPKC player nickname that you've come up with? Oof. This one's going to take a little bit. Uh, listen, I, I I know it's recency bias, but I'm going with Chimichurri just because I, re, I every time you say it, it catches me off guard a little bit. I have to sit for a second and think, okay, who are they referring to? Oh, Chamari Connor. Yes. Chewy Cherry, love it. So uh, that's my that's my favorite one right now. See, this is the one I'd have to do the research on. I was asking you if we should do research, oh, especially sure. before. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I mean, Puff Puff Pass Rush was the was the oh, OG nickname. Um, that might have even predated Amateur Hour. Um, but that was when uh, Justin Houston and Tom Bahali were both facing uh, different charges. And uh, <laughs> they're both elite pass rushers. So it just, yeah. it just came about. Uh, that one really caught on kind of the most. Um, I'm excited about our, our new one this year, the Chiefs Cake Factory, uh, with the giant menu of receivers that Andy has. Like, it's too big of a menu. Um, you gotta, you gotta kind of narrow that down and have some specialties. Um, and so we're working on a cheesecake name for each of the, how many receivers do we have now? Like eight receivers, 27. Um, so that's, that's an ongoing list and it'll be going throughout the season. Um, shit. I don't, I don't. (laughs) Popoff pass rush was the one, like, I, I, I think that one is the one that one stuck for a long time with you guys there. So yeah, I I really liked that one. And I really like our sponsor for this segment here, DraftKings. You heard us talk about them a ton. They are back with another week of football and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping you in on the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet Five bucks and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. If you throw five down on any of this week's epic matchup, you can walk away an instant winner with that $200 there. And they're not stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. I certainly have. I've been taking part in a lot of the bonus bets, a lot of the you know profit boots, boosts and stuff like that. They're doing a really good job, and they're helping fatten my DraftKings account a little bit here. So, football is more fun when you are in on the action. Download the app now and sign up with code KCSN. New customers can bet just $5 to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code KCSN. The crown is yours. And here's the disclaimer. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles in Louisiana. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility. Terms and responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Woo! Got through that one without saying Los Angeles instead of Louisiana this time, Dirk. I you're on makes me think of California and uh, and I was able to divert my brain elsewhere nice. here. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Hey guys, it's Benny Heist from Benny and the Bets. And when it comes to improving your golf performance, there is nothing quite like a PXG custom club fitting experience with a true PXG fitting specialist. This data-driven fitting is going to help determine the right club heads, perfect loft, lie, and shafts to be able to completely transform and change your game and also lower your scores in the process. So no matter your skill level, you can be fitted for PXG's flagship Gen 6 clubs. They're designed to deliver incredible gains in distance, accuracy, 
and forgiveness. And for a limited time, you can use the code PXG75 when you sign up for a custom fit and get 75% off your fitting at PXG.com. Or you can give their store in Kansas City a call at 913-396-6100. Next question. I, I actually like this one, even though I think it's a pretty easy answer for me. Zian Dara says, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, who's more popular in Kansas City and who's more popular outside of Kansas City? What do you think? Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, who's more popular? Popular, um, yes. I mean, in Kansas, it has to be Mahomes. I mean, I th- Kelsey, Kelsey could be the second most popular athlete in Kansas City history. Yeah, uh, but unfortunately, it's still number two to 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 Batman. Um, so I, 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 have, I mean, I have to say Mahomes. I don't, I don't, I don't look the counter argument here. Maybe you can make an argument for the world of Kelsey because he's getting on the Swifty bandwagon here. I'm just say it. It's, I mean, it's yeah. evening up. It's even maybe up, but it's coming. Uh, for now, until the you know, until they break up, and then he's yeah. I mean, then Kelsey. Then Travis will be the most popular in the entire world because he'll have countless songs written after him. So that'll that'll be fun. That, I mean, I don't like I don't it. think you can get more popular than Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. So I it, no, he's he's got to be the answer. I mean, and, and even outside of Kansas City, I mean, yeah, Travis is getting his you know getting in on the action with all these commercials and things like that, but. Patrick is everywhere. Like uh, he is hard to avoid. If you're watching any sporting event, any sports channel, even you know normal network cable, you're seeing Patrick Mahomes more often than you are seeing Travis Kelsey right now. I'm uh, so I'm watching the the new NFL Sunday Ticket on YouTube TV. Mm-hmm. First time Sunday Ticket guy, and they got the multi view yep. going. So I got and two here. TVs with multi view. I got eight games going at once. Patrick Mahomes. Even on the bye week, he's on at least one screen at all times. He's in so many courses. He is. He is. And it's funny because now seeing Summit Ticket and seeing you know the, the four box and stuff like that, it's funny to see, okay, clearly like CBS and Fox have different segments that they are targeting specific ads in it. And so you'll see a game go to commercial like five seconds after another game. And so you're just watching the same commercial on a slight delay. And it's Patrick. Like it, it is. It's Patrick up there. So yeah, it, it's still Patrick. Although Travis Kelsey might, might catch up. We'll we'll see here. Um, Nick Johnson says which Taylor Swift song was clearly written during a deep dive. Do you have any Taylor Swift songs? Do you know any Taylor Swift songs? I just wanted to shout out Nick Johnson for uh, for asking a deep dive question to you because uh, it's very very appropriate here. I don't know enough Taylor Swift songs to to have a take on this. But uh, yeah, during a deep dive, huh? I'm gonna go with um. I know some of these songs. I'm trying to make any kind of apple correlation to yeah. to the pup pup pass rush. Uh, yes, I don't have nothing's coming here. Um, let's go with bad blood. Okay. For no Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> I'm on board. I need no logic behind that either. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just completely on board here. All right. Christian Gumminger, our guy, asks, you could says specifically to you, you could have retired on the mountaintop with your 2019 Super Bowl prediction. What made you want to come back out and give it a go a few more years? Is this, is this a love of the game thing, Dirk? 
Uh, yeah, you know, I just, I just missed the game too much. Um, you know, I did, I did hang it up for a while after that, the next season. Uh, I do appreciate the shout out there. Um, you know, I don't, it was really just like, we, we were kind of moving forward to like trying to like follow like a career in it and whatever. And then we both got too busy and it kind of fizzled out and it was kind of like, well, let's see this through until the Super Bowl. And it seemed like a perfect ending. Uh, because we started our podcast during maybe the worst season in NFL history uh, in 2012, and then we finished it with a with a Super Bowl victory. So that would have been pretty poetic to just finish it there. But you know, it would have been poetic for Tom Brady to retire after the Super Bowl. But no, he came back and went seven and ten with the Buccaneers and, and made the playoffs. So I think that's that's what we're doing now. Amateur Hour is now going oh. seven and ten. And hold on, it. hold on. <laughs> Are we the Bucks now? Is KCS in the Bucks? Is that? I'm Tom Brady. I think was the comparison. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brad, that 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 checks out. You're the goat, so you know we just gotta we just gotta do that. No, I, I like that a lot. I, it's, I still it's 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 fun because uh, I moved from Kansas City right after hmm. that, like six months after the Super Bowl win, um, and so I don't talk Chiefs with people nearly as much. So it was really fun to just reconnect with Ryan. He had finished school, so it just made a lot of sense. Like, man, we're both... We didn't even decide until, like... It was, like, three days before 2021 started. And, like, you just want to do the podcast this year again? Like, yeah, sure. And then we just did it every week. We just started just doing it for fun, mostly. And now it's... Yeah, it's just it's just fun to do. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, then they win another Super Bowl. So... And you kept going for some reason. So, I mean... Clearly, they got another one on deck. If AHPKC still doing this, man, that that 2012 season, whoo, lordy, that's yeah, I don't, I don't I, know. people. I don't know if people know, but me and Ryan both wrote for a, a, a rival website. Yeah, yeah, you wrote for Airhead Pride. So did at the same time uh, that I was writing there, and uh, yeah, yeah. But was, neither of us uh, wanted to write about that team anymore. It was I mean, it was disgusting. We're both fans at heart, so I, was, I don't want to watch this terrible team and then write about this. Yeah. Um, so we just decided that it was much easier to talk about it for an hour instead of preparing and writing for, you know, which is a much longer process, at least for me. Um, yeah, and so, like, we'll just start this podcast. People doing something called a podcast. Let's do that. We'll just talk. Like, we just talk. Uh, yeah. So that, that was how it started. Yeah. And it was it was the right time because uh, we definitely needed some uh, levity that season. There was a lot of big stuff happening that year. So yeah, when people accuse me, especially now that I live out here in the Denver area and people accuse me, oh, you're a Chiefs fan, right? Oh, I see how it is. It's like, buddy, I went through 2012. Like, <laughs> I mean, I went through other stuff before that, plenty, you know, 30 years without a playoff win and all of that. Yeah, it, that's my go-to. That's my go-to. Like, yeah, you see everything now. We went 30 years without winning a playoff. Yeah, yeah. And then I single out 2012 because yikes, just big, big yikes on that one. All right. Keith McLean asks, and he posts basically a tweet from Next Gen Stats saying that George Karloftis generated a career-high six pressures on Sunday against the Chicago Bears on 20, 20 pass rushes there. He's recorded at least three pressures in every game this season and has nearly doubled his pressure rate compared to his rookie year. He Keith asks, is George Karloftis good? <laughs> Dirk, he what do you think? He is good. Um, I, I think the question might be, is he great? Um, because I thought he could be good. I mean, especially after watching him all last year, the effort was there. Um, he's going to clean stuff up. He's, he's just going to be like a solid defensive end. 
but I don't think he'll ever be like a game wrecker of any kind. I just didn't see, you know, the quick wins from the edge uh, and that kind of stuff. And I just didn't didn't think he was explosive enough. Like, I think he'll be solid and he'll be a good starter, but I don't think he'll ever be like the, you know, head of a pass rush kind of thing. And he's taken a bigger step this year than I, I thought was possible. I, I've been blown away with how good he has played this year. Um, and that just changes the equation up front because now you're, I mean, he's still obviously second fiddle to Chris Jones. Um, so, I mean, that's just, the pass rush has a chance to be absolutely ferocious and, and it's only his second year. And I do have to give a shout out to one of my favorite chiefs, Tamba Ali, uh, mm-hmm. for working with him this year. And I think you're seeing the, you know, the, is it, uh, Taekwondo? Is it, what's judo? <laughs> jujitsu. I thought it was jujitsu, but yeah. 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 Uh, of course. Uh, and so I think that's starting to pay off. But anytime you work with Tom Ali, um, that's that's a win in my books. And I, I, I'm giving him all the credit. All credit goes to Tom Ali. All of it. Wow. Some <laughs> of okay. you half half of it to a no, quarter of it to Tomba, a quarter of it to Joe Cullen, and then George can have the other 50%. But you heard it here, Darkness giving all credit to Tomba Ali. <laughs> You're just trying to get him to come on your podcast. That's what it is. Tomba? Yeah. Oh man. That would that would be he can just, he just come on and, and rap live and I'll, I'll oh, just, like, just, just duck in and out. Like, just drop into the podcast whenever he feels like it, says a couple things, drops out again. I, oh, man, it'd be great. I, I would love that. Absolutely love that. All right. Frank the Tank says, if you could only have one topping on a sandwich, any type of sandwich, what is that topping? I... Like I'm going to go with it. Like, would a meat be the topping? Meat or what topping. Yeah, meat counts as a topping too. Yeah. You got a favorite sandwich topping? I'm going I'm to throw a tomato because I'll, I will eat pretty much any kind of sandwich with a nice, fresh tomato on there. So, what if it's the only topping? Mmm, a tomato sandwich? I can't say I've had one, but now I'm going to go upstairs and make one. So... <laughs> um, I... So I think my choice would have to be cheese because I think okay. a sandwich without cheese is incomplete. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm going to give us a, a side answer of cucumber. Um, I like to uh, <laughs> like to yeah. of cucumber and mustard sandwiches and call it Kansas City barbecue and just watch the replies roll in. It's one of my favorite <laughs> off-season activities. Um, but I always put I, I for cucumber to lettuce uh, in uh, exponentially. Uh, it's just much better. It gives you that crunch that you need. Uh, but cucumber on a sandwich is is what my underrated shout out. But cheese is the actual answer. I, I like I like the cucumber on a sandwich. I have had cucumber on a sandwich before, and you're absolutely right. The crispness is perfect. Perfect. All right. Casey from Casey asks, should we be praising Mike Dana more? I mean, yeah, I, I, I feel like I praise him every week at this point. Um, but <laughs> can you do yes. it more, Craig? Yeah, I could. I mean, he's been that good. What, what's your Mike Dana takes? Da- Dana takes. I'm sorry. I've been mispronouncing it. So. Well, I I think our shows have been doing a good job of praising Mike Dana. Mm-hmm. This is probably aimed more at like a mainstream media kind of thing, so uh, which I would say, yes, he he deserves to be praised more. I mean, he's, he's kind of become what I thought George would be, like the solid guy that's just kind of cleaning up and giving great effort. Um, I know you've spoken that he's he's making he's having quick wins as well this year, but I mean Mike Dana is just a what do you want to say a great rotation rotational piece, um, and he's gotten better every single year. So I think 
I, I'm very happy having Mike Dana on my football team. I I am too, and Joe Cullen is, and like I mean Steve Spagnuolo is. The way that he took the Bears center on like his first pass rush of the game, basically picked him up and carried him to Justin Fields on that first pass rush of the game, floors me. Like I, I feel like this week or every week, Mike Dana does something that I'm just like, oh, wow, he has that in his arsenal now. Like, it, it's just one thing after another that now I'm to the point where I'm wondering what he can't do more than what he can do because he just has these random wins that are all a little bit different every single week, and he's putting them together into these great performances. I, again, pay the man. Like, pay him that because he's just getting more and more expensive. Yeah, what he can do is price himself right out of Kansas City. Yeah, <laughs> Especially when Carl Granderson, what he got, was that like $11, $12 million a year? Like, that's probably a good target for for Big Mike there, and that's, that's kind of expensive right now. So, so his, I, his contract ends after this year, correct? Correct, yes. And, and you spent a first-round pick on defense in the last two years. So I don't know. want to open the bank and pay him. I mean, a lot of it might depend on if Chris Jones ends up back correct. in the team in 2024. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of questions till then, but I love Mike Dan. I, I do, too. I do, too. Mike Dini asked a question. Who has been the most... Mike Dana? What? (laughs) Should I be talking about more? So, yeah, should I? (laughs) Why isn't Chris Collinsworth singling me out? He's spending more time on Aiden Hutchinson than me when I'm clearly having the better season. Mike up his parents. Yeah, (laughs) that's that's what he needs. Mike Dini asks, who has been the most pleasant surprise so far this season for you? Well, shit. I think the answer should be George. Um, I mean, it's a good one. It could. Well, be. let me let me think. Let me see if I can come up with someone. You you got an answer? Yeah, yeah. I think I got an answer. Uh, I think the most pleasant surprise for me so far this season has been Noah Gray. Uh, I think we all had kind of expectations for him with Travis Kelsey, especially ramped up when Travis Kelsey got hurt. But he is what he is, and you know he's always going to be kind of the the back burner guy in this offense. Never going to be an integral part of it or anything like that. I've been really impressed with getting him on the move, getting him blocking. I, he's creating a lot of stuff after the catch that I, you know, he he's had that in his arsenal, but we're seeing it more as a part of the offense. That makes it very scary for defenses when the Chiefs do go 12 personnel because Kelsey and Gray can block enough to where, you know, they're they're scary enough in the run game. And then they could both get out as pass catchers really, really well and be kind of dynamic after the catch. I've been very impressed by Noah Gray so far. Um, I'll go... Hmm, I'm going to go Donovan Smith because I heard a lot of worries about Donovan Smith going into the season. And I know he's had some penalties, uh, but he really hasn't given up many pressures, it doesn't feel like. Like the, like the penalties are there, uh, but his play on the field has been pretty good. Um... And I just I, see, I keep seeing these stats about how this is like the least that Patrick Mahomes has ever been pressured. This is the best offensive line that he's well, the best he's played with, but um, best he's played with in the last handful of years, I guess, since Mitch Schwartz and, and Eric Fisher. Um, but I think the offensive line has performed very, very well, and he was the biggest question mark on it. So I'm going to go with Donovan Smith. Makes a lot of sense. And I mean... It- it's clearly he's still probably the fifth best offensive lineman on on this team, but that's a nice floor to have for your fifth best offensive lineman. All right, Splatical asks, is 
Leo Chanel the best player on the Chiefs, and why is that? <laughs> well, is that a question? Like, if you want to build your roster out of one person, like fifty-three Leo Chanel, oh, they would be, man, is, would they be fifty-three is, Patrick Mahomes? Is that is that is kind of the Leo Chanel the new Lance Long? That's what I'm hearing right now. We're going to build this so the entire team. Out. It would be Taysom Hill, right? One of the greatest football players uh, to ever yeah. play the game, as as uttered in Week One. Um, uh, yes, the answer is yes. He is the best player on the Chiefs um, <laughs> that is playing under 20 snaps a game. Yes. Yeah, no. He's been impressive. He's been good. Like, they're finding him more avenues to get on the field, and he's looked good. The Bears game was probably his worst game as a linebacker, and that's a good spot for the Chiefs to be you, you would know, How often is he just lining up on the de- defensive line and, and rushing? How um, often? It's happening, I would say, maybe 50% of the time. That's not an exact number, obviously, but I'd say maybe 50%. This week was much less, especially since they're at the end of the game when they wholesale swapped out the defense. You know, they were playing the quote-unquote backups. It was uh, Leo Chanel and Jack Cochran on the second level, so he was not aligned on the line of scrimmage. But he's seeing, uh, I would say most of the time that he's on the field in the 3-3-5, he is on the line of scrimmage. And then when they're in the 4-3, he's, it's about maybe, I don't know, 50-50. We'll call it 50-50 as to whether or not he's along the base. That's going to depend on what they're doing tight end when he's kicking down to the line of scrimmage. That's all offense dependent, but he's rushing the passer. From the three, three, five. There's an avenue where, like, he becomes part of the pass rushing package. Do you think that's yes. a possibility? I do. I do think so, and I think that it's going to be dime reps later in the year. I know that means that you've got to take one of Felix or you know George, Mike Dan- Dana, or Chris Jones off the field, which or Ominahu, Ominahu, or Ominahu, who's coming back into the fold here, but. I think it makes sense depending on the quarterback that's going up there. The Chiefs played a lot more 3-2 dime this week with Willie Gay as a spy against Justin Fields. Made a ton of sense. I think that there's more packages like that for Leo Chanel that are built into this that they haven't shown yet. I didn't think he was going to be much of a pass rusher going into this season. A lot of people asked about it, and I said, I just don't, I don't think that he's got the length and the pass rush moves to really give an offensive tackle trouble. But he has so far this season. So I I could see them using him more for sure. Yeah. All right. Dunklin Anglin asks, how's Felix been so far? What, how do you feel about the Chiefs' first-round draft pick this year, Dirk? Well, I mean, I think he's he's playing very limited snaps. Um, but I know his, he has a high pressure rate, uh, like percentage, very. in terms of very. <laughs> what he's producing when he does get in. Um, so it's kind of interesting that they're bringing him along so slow. I mean, I... I think it's kind of just the Chiefs' mo with with rookies overall, um, but I mean, I've I've been pleased. I've I've noticed him. I don't think I noticed him at all this week, but the first two weeks, I definitely noticed him getting the pressure a couple times, and it's like, hey, there he is. Like, good to good to see him. Um, so I am pleased with what I've seen from Felix. Yeah, he got a lot more refs this week. Obviously, he stayed in with the uh, second team there at the end of the game when the Bears were running the ball a little bit more and, you know, getting into some of their quicker pass concepts and stuff like that when the Chiefs were playing prevent. Those are all good reps for him. But, yeah, what he's been asked to do, just line up off there, try and win with speed. He's got some technique that he's working on. He's clearly 
other than Chris Jones, because Charles Aminahue isn't on this team yet, he is clearly the second quickest win on the defensive line right now. And that's that's a good thing to have. That's what I was thinking, because he kind of, like, you want to diversify what you got, mm-hmm. and he would be, like, the quickest around the edge, because the other guys are yes. kind of power guys and winning with technique or whatever. Um, but you can just win with pure speed, which that's that's fun, too. Who do you think, this is not a, a question here, but to, since we're just kind of talking about it, who do you think comes off the field in that four-man rush when Charles Aminahue comes back in? Because right now, it's, again, Felix, Chris Jones, George Karloftis, and Mike Dana. Uh, I guess I would have to say Mike or Felix, I guess. Maybe. Because you're probably sliding uh, Ominahu inside, and they like to keep Chris Jones outside. So, I mean, maybe they kind of just line up all over. It doesn't really matter inside and outside, especially on passing downs. Um, yeah. But I guess, yeah, I would lean Mike or Felix in that, in that but you're rotating them, obviously. For sure, for sure. I I think it might be Felix. Like I I think it might, and and that's not a knock on him. I think it's just going to be one of those. Hey, we're bringing you along slowly, and these other guys are winning just as way regularly as you are. Yeah, sure, his pressure rate is higher than Dana's or Karloftis's is, but they're also playing a lot more snaps. So uh, naturally, it's going to happen that way. I'm just very curious to see what happens there because you've got five good pass rushers in that dime and problems to have ancient <laughs> good good problems to have here all right this is the last question we'll close up shop after this one zach tuttle says is this performance over the bears going to help boost the offense in coming games or do you see the chiefs continuing to have some of the offensive struggles we saw in the first two games of the season was the bears game fool's gold dirk uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, I thought the, I mean, if you're looking at the careers of Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid with the Chiefs, I mean, obviously they're performing at a better level than they did in the first two games. So those two games would be the outliers, if anything. <laughs> um, I know there's some question marks with the receivers and everything was kind of sloppy and some timing, lots of mistakes. Um, I completely trust Andy Reid to clean that up. I completely trust Mahomes to get his receivers on the same page as him. Um, and so I don't think it was fool's goal at all, and I think they will continue an upward trajectory on the offensive side. I was I, never, I was never worried in the slightest degree. Dude, not in the slightest. I mean, if there's one group of individuals that has deserved the longest leash possible, it's Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and Travis Kelsey. So I, I, I'm fine with what the offense is doing here. I, I mean, I think we can look week one if receivers catch the ball. We're probably not talking about offensive woes. Week two, if Jawan Taylor doesn't get so many penalties called on him, fair or not, I don't. Th- there were a lot of giant gains that were erased because of that. And then week three, everything went great. You know, it, it really did. The ball moved well. Uh, there were no problems scoring. Like it, it was good. So I think it's probably not quite as potent as week three. I think that's more an indictment of the Bears than anything. But I also think that it's not nearly as bad as week one or two was from an offensive output. And yep. uh, and maybe the biggest change, the, they got the running game going, which they, they did, did in the first two games whatsoever. 
Um, and I really feel like they changed up the style of running. They were doing more power runs instead of zone runs. Yep. Uh, I don't get their obsession with these outside zone runs. I For RPOs. It really is just for RPOs to key off of that and setting it up and setting it up and setting it up because they'll have seven passes that go for you know 15 yards a piece and run outside zone 10 times and that's what and lose three yards three yeah lose three yards yeah (laughs) but i yeah i just like this offense i thought and it was it looks more like last year with with some tight ends out there uh some power runs and then play auction off that um so i thought the offense looked much better and i i I just want to see it keep looking like that i do i do too and i'm curious to see what it's going to look like here with the slate that they've got coming up obviously the new york jets um are, are a good defense I, I really do think that they're a good defense uh, they've got a lot of really good pieces there the minnesota vikings are after that um obviously not a particularly good defense although playing much better this year aren't they i yes they are better this year than they were last year but the, i know they got uh, brian they got brian flores in there and i think that's making okay. a big difference and i know they I, I think shit out of uh herbert yesterday oh my goodness yes and i i am glad that the chiefs are facing them at the point in the season that they are I don't think that the playbook will be fully open for the Minnesota defense until towards the end of the season and I don't want to see Brian Flores' blitz packages at the end of the season I just don't uh, even though Patrick it was great more. at the blitz but <laughs> he's gonna um, have more than he did that's what you're saying I think so yeah I mean like look, hundred, maybe not more snaps. but more diverse things ah. that are gonna target things but then after that then you're getting into some bad defenses play the Broncos twice and yikes, big, big yikes. And the Chargers are in there as well. And the Chargers currently are 28 in points per game. Like major yikes before last week or before this week were what? They were 31st in DVOA. It, it was just really bad. So there's opportunity for some get right games against the teams that are coming up here, especially if they look good against the Jets and the Vikings. I feel really good about where the offense is. Like, I feel like really the good. Jets are at their hand on the reset button. They're ready to quit on this season. And, they do. If you get up on them early, you're going to see more yeah. sideline stuff like you saw from them this week. I, I think so as well. Uh, maybe you won't have the same levels quit in them as the Bears did, but uh, yeah, it's still not going to be particularly good. And I think the Vikings will get there if they come in, you know, if they're winless when they play the Chiefs, woof, like uh, that. I think that team is on the verge of self-destructing, uh, especially with- when we trade for Justin Jefferson. Right? Oh my goodness! Tell you in, what, in the pregame warmups, <laughs> just just get out there and do what you're doing. We, you don't need another offense. Just go get open. Patrick will find you. That's uh, right. That that would be really nice. There. There's your wide receiver trade question from Found earlier. In the, got it. Got it. Got it figured out. That's going to do it for 21 questions for this week. I thank his darkness for joining me. I am Craig Stout. Thank you all for listening all the way through this. Sign up for KCSN Daily to get access to the KCSN Discord and ask us these questions. Be kind to each other, and we will catch you later.